відносяться руки, тому що я щойно побачила, як летить ракета. Я почула це. So we're back on Ukraine. We're back on Ukrainian sitrep with our friend uh, Thierry Laurent, who is a French intelligence analyst coming to us from France. Welcome, sir. Thank you for coming. Thank you very much to welcome me within your show. I wanted, in fact, to start by a good morning, Vietnam, but I do believe that it wouldn't be <laughs> very accurate. So basically, I would prefer to say uh, good night, Ukraine. Uh -huh. So, uh, since we have been talking, uh, it was the beginning of the counter-offensive that the AFU has been putting together. And uh, that was about three months ago, if I remember. Mm -hmm. And uh, it has been starting pretty badly. Today, we are 3.5 months after, and here is the results of this story. Uh, Ukrainian army has been losing about more than 90,000 people. So basically, when I was saying that in the next coming month, we would see something like 100,000 uh, casualties on top of what was lost, I was pretty much accurate. Mm -hmm. So uh, right now, Zelensky is off reality. He wants, in fact, to come out with uh, a new mobilizations. He has a lot of problems to recruit the people. And he's looking after women and very, very young people, because from what I have been hearing of the journalists I am in touch with uh, in Donbass, they have been uh, capturing kids between 14 and 15 years old, yes. which is completely outrageous, in fact, to waste the youth of a, uh, of a country knowing that this is their future, you know. And the average age is 43, I understand, on the front right now. So yeah. they're pulling a so, lot of old men, too. Yeah. Well, when the second army was completely wiped out, they started, in fact, to recruit pre-old. Okay. Mm -hmm. So between 40 and 60. Mm -hmm. And now there are the points that they are even hitting on the very, very young. Mm. So as much as the Russian army has been taking over something like 350,000 kilometers square, uh, the Ukrainian army in four months of counter-offensive have been able, in fact, to take over 200 uh, kilometers square. So basically, this is absolutely nothing. This is a square of uh, 10 kilometers by 20. If you look at the size of the front line, which is about 2,400 kilometers, this is absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. And whatsoever they have been uh, gaining, actually, they are losing it because the Russian has been setting up a start of counter-offensive on their side, okay? And uh, they are focusing on three points. The first one is uh, on Kherson, with, uh, very close to the Dnieper, and they are pushing back the AFU by uh, heavy shelling. The second point uh, is uh, Rabotino, okay? Mm -hmm. 
And the third one, this is the the, the cauldron of uh, Adievka, uh, in which uh, the AFU has been losing a lot, a lot of soldiers. This is a second Bakhmut, if you prefer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, uh, what I have been observing during three months is a heavy usage of drones. And the uh, Russian army has been coming out with a third version of the Lancet, which is extremely efficient uh, against the, the, the heavy vehicle, like the Abrams and uh, <clears throat> the tanks that uh, the UK has been sending. So uh, the AFU has been losing about a thousand vehicle, armored vehicle. And the Russian army has been uh, uh, has been increasing the production of their drone by uh, eight to ten. So basically, what we are seeing is that the Russian army is using less and less heavy vehicle, and they are using more and more drones because the return investment in terms of ratio is very efficient. Uh, I saw a, a battle during which there was seven uh, Ukrainian tanks that has been destroyed in less than one, 1. 1.4 minutes yeah. with two drones. So basically, the cost of two drones is about $14,000, mm -hmm. when in fact the loss of the tank uh, represents about $23 million. And so they're just dropping that, like grenades on the top, right, on the weak points, am I correct? Uh, well, actually, in fact, the Lancet is just plunging on the yeah. on the tourel where there is the trap to access the inside of the of the tank yeah because this is the most fragile stuff mm -hmm. and actually uh, you know what the russian has been doing in fact to counterpart this uh, this type of attack they have been putting a sort of uh, uh, infrastructure on top of the tank with uh, some uh, grill on top mm -hmm. of it so basically when the drone is hitting on top of this grill this is exploding outside and the trail is uh, is safe it's kind of like um, the old reactive armor that we used that is on the yeah US exactly bank. yeah yeah <clears throat> actually uh, there is something that is very surprising is that uh during the 7th of october of hamas attack against israel we have been noticing that they are using the same technique that the russian has been using against the tank Mm -hmm. And what is even more surprising is that the uh, Israeli army uh, <clears throat> haven't been putting together this kind of infrastructure, knowing that we have been seeing this kind of uh, behavior for the last uh, year in Ukraine. So basically, they could have been anticipating, and Sahar has been uh, very bad on this point. Okay, We can do another show on Israel because I think there's a lot of... Uh, manufactured issues going on over there, but we can talk about that another time. Yes, actually, I have a lot of information that I can uh, deliver to you that would be surprising a lot of people. A right. lot. Okay. I've been discussing this matter with uh, General Valeri, actually. Okay. So uh, there is something new that uh, has been coming on the front line is the usage of the new version of the A50. It's called the A50U. Uh, which is uh, working in synchronizations with uh, aircraft, the SU-35 and the SU-57. 
So basically, uh, they are flying this, uh, this plane at a very high altitude. And with the new radar system, they have the capacity, in fact, to cover completely the territory of Ukraine, which uh, make them able, in fact, to intercept any plane that would be taking off uh, in a range of 450 to 600 kilometers. Hmm. Uh, last week, they have been destroying 27 planes in five days. Hmm. SU-24, SU-25, and SU-27. So basically, in about five days, they have been destroying $1 billion in assets of aircraft of the AFU. Is that on the ground or in the air? Do you know? Well, they were just taking off. As soon as they were taking off, they were destroyed. Because actually, uh, Russia has been developing a new air-to-air -air, uh, missile system that is able, in fact, to hit with a range of uh, 450 kilometers to 600, hmm. which before was around 250 to 320. Now they have been increasing the range. So basically, they are able, in fact, to intercept the plane before, uh, before the, the uh, before it reaches, in fact, the altitude of attack, and uh, because uh, you know that uh, Ukraine is using a lot the scalp missile against mm -hmm. Crimea, and now all those missiles are just uh, taking down, and the vectors that help them, in fact, to uh, to be thrown are just uh, annihilated before they are taking off. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, actually, in fact, to understand the way that the front line has been developing and to understand what was uh, why, in fact, there were so much casualties on the AFU, I've been looking at certain videos. And one of the screenshots that uh, I am proposing is quite interesting. Do you mind, in fact, putting the, no. the Beristov battlefield? Yeah, uh, let me bring that up. So this is tell me which slide to go to. Uh, this is the number three. <clears throat> Here we go. So basically, Berestov Battlefield is um, a small village of about, I would say, 15,000 people uh, between Seversk and uh, Bakhmut, but much more on the east side. Okay. Mm -hmm. What we, are, uh, what we are observing on the, the second picture on the right is the number of hits of 155 millimeter shell. So basically, I've been dividing the picture, and uh, this is representing approximately 100 by 200 yards. And uh, I divide by zone, and I've been counting uh, few zones, and then make an extra extrapolation. So basically, what uh, I am concluding is we are observing uh, 900 hits on a very, very small zone. Mm -hmm. So therefore, what does it mean? It means that the Russians are using the infantry in a very heavy manner. If you want to pass this bar of uh, artillery, this is absolutely impossible. Mm -hmm. And this is the reason why we can explain the fact that there was absolutely no progress uh, from the AFU, uh, AFU side. A lot of casualties, but what we can conclude also is that the Russian army has been able, in fact, to produce and to supply the front line in demands of the dynamic that has been set up. 
Now we're going to do a quick break from our sponsor. It's going to be a good day. Monday, we do have a little bit left available here. Check us out, familyfarmbeefbox.com. Thanks. Have a good day. I had uh, another source that told me that the Russians are producing one and a half million shells per month <clears throat> at this point. Well, this is even more than what I think mm -hmm. because I heard the number of 2.5 million per year. Mm -hmm. Because 1.5 okay. million per month, this is kind of a lot. They yeah. might have been supplied either by China or North Korea. Mm -hmm. That would be increasing the numbers because... So you're saying that basically they're saturating infantry points on the yeah. Ukrainian side with artillery. Italy. That they can't, they, and the Ukraine can't respond because... Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, actually, in fact, uh, I have been interviewing a young guy uh, I was in a relation with uh, much before the the conflict in Ukraine because he was fighting in the, in Syria. And uh, he wanted to go to Wagner and he was not able to go to Russia. So basically, he has been selling his services to Ukraine and he has been reaching the Carpathian Sikh uh, unit, which is a neo-Nazi. And I was very, uh, very mad about it because... Mm -hmm. This is not very much in uh, in my views, mm -hmm. and uh, he he has been disappearing during eight months. And uh, after eight months, he just contacted me back and explained me what was happening on the front line. Uh, his unit was constituted of uh, eight hundred sixty people, and after three months of combat, there was forty five uh, people remaining in his unit. Mm -hmm. So he was telling me that every day there was about six to ten guys dying uh, around him at the point that the pressure, the psychological pressure was so ugly that he decided, in fact, to stop and to run away. Yeah. yeah. Uh, actually, there was another reason is that uh, the people that were managing this unit were extremely violent. And when they were not seeing the people uh, motivated enough, in fact, to go to the front line, they were shooting them during the night. Yeah, so classic old, old Soviet tactics. Yeah, yeah. So basically, he got scared, and uh, he said, "You know, I didn't want to to die by night, and uh, been uh, forgotten by anybody." So basically, I've been running away from this place, and I wish for not living this situation anymore, uh, anymore in my life. Mm -hmm. So basically, we are at the point right now that uh, the United States, uh, the Biden administration, I want to. Yeah, to big extras there. Uh, that yeah. is a big Illegitimate difference. Biden administration. <laughs> yeah. That is a very, very big difference. Yeah. Uh, the Biden administration is just realizing that this story is going nowhere, especially after uh, what the general in chief, uh, Zaluzhny, has been uh, coming out in the media saying that the situation is just terrible, that it goes nowhere. He made a lot of mistakes. And on top of it, he didn't have, in fact, the, the air support necessary, in fact, to uh, 
to run this uh, counter offensive in the in the right manner and the most efficient let me so, let me ask you something before we move on what do you think the reason it's either incompetence or intentional um actions to just create war and prolong it as far as possible i think it's the latter i mean they're obviously incompetent but anyone knows that you could not defeat the russian army unless america got fully involved and even then it would be doubtful because it's their territory, you know, it's their their backyard. Well, uh, the, this is one of the reasons, but I see another reason, which is mm -hmm. uh, kind of uh, not so obvious. Mm -hmm. It's a question of supply chain. Mm -hmm. uh, the, uh, in the first stage of uh, this conflict, what Russia has been doing? Destroying the military uh, complex, uh, the industrial military complex of, uh, of the Ukrainian. So basically any facilities that were producing shells, producing tanks, mm -hmm. producing plane has been completely wiped out. Mm -hmm. That's the first point. The second point is that they had, in fact, to replace those materials with NATO-based uh, devices. Mm -hmm. The problem is the training, because mm -hmm. you cannot take a guy and put him into uh, Abram tanks to operate it the day after. It's not going to yeah. work. Yeah. So basically, there is an adaptation to the materials that were provided. But they knew this, right? I mean, any any intelligent, competent military official would know this, right? Well, you know, when you have people that are so blind by their wishful thinking that they don't see where the problem can come from, you go nowhere. Example. What, 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 well, go ahead. I'll, I'll let you talk. Uh, the size of the, the tanks in the West is extremely big. You have like Abrams tanks are uh, 72 tons well equipped. Okay. Mm -hmm. All the infrastructure in Ukraine are made for 55 tons. Mm -hmm. If you are playing around on a bridge in Ukraine with uh, heavy tanks, you might end up in the Dnieper. Mm -hmm. So the, there is a, a lot of other problems like uh, moving in the muds. If your tank is too heavy, what is going to happen in the Rasputitsa? You're going to get stuck. Mm -hmm. So there is the problem of adaptation of those materials to the environment. Russian on their side, they don't have this problem because they are producing their own, uh, their own materials and they are improving it. They are testing it within the ground on which they are operating. Yeah. If you take materials that is not adapted to uh, the battlefield on which you are going to operate, this is like an open door to a major failure. And the second aspect, the, the last aspect, sorry, is the supply chain. The Ukrainian front line is about 1,200 kilometers from Poland. And all the materials is coming from Poland. Okay. So basically, the moment you are loading your gears on a train and the moment they come on the front line, it's going to take a certain time. Mm -hmm. And there is a problem of maintenance, meaning when you have materials that is breaking down, you need to bring them into the warehouse, in fact, to fix them. There is a, a lapse of time that is quite big. It's going to take about three to four days, in fact, to bring them back, then to repair and then to bring back to the, the front line. So basically, the turnover 
after reparation is going to be very big. When uh, the Russian army don't, don't have this problem because the front line is very close to their frontier, from their border, sorry. Mm -hmm. Okay. So basically, if you look at all this supply chain aspect, and if you look at the, the, the numbers, <clears throat> the production, uh, Ukraine had absolutely no chance to take over Russia. And this is not possible. You have yeah. on one side a country with 150 million people and another country with 28. How can you fight this? It's impossible. And, and 28 and dropping. I mean, people are leaving left and right. So, yeah. Yeah, of course. Well, the the the, the, the 12, 14 millions that's been leaving at the beginning, that was the kids and the women. Yeah. And then after there was a student that uh, been leaving because they didn't want to end on the front line and to die stupidly. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, in fact, uh, the team I was hiring when I was living in Kiev, uh, most of them, they are in USA right now. Yes. You see? So uh, <clears throat> to come back to the topics, there was absolutely no capacity on the Ukrainian side, in fact, to win this war. It is absolutely impossible. I agree. I've been saying that for a decade. And plus, it's not our fight. I mean, it's not our, our place to be involved, in my opinion. You know, Zelensky has been manipulated by mm -hmm. uh, Boris Johnson. Mm -hmm. He has been pushing him, in fact, to go uh, to go and to take the fight. When uh, Zelensky, the first day of the conflict, wanted, in fact, to negotiate. He understood immediately that it will not fly. But he was pushed so much that he was believing that the European countries' constituents would be coming in the fight and help sending troops. And this is something that uh, when I was arrested by the SBU in 2015 in Yepropetrovsk, uh, I was telling them, you are going to push Russia to the extreme limit in regard of what you're doing in Donbass. One day they are going to beat you up. And if you think that European will come on the battlefield, in fact, to help you out by sending troops, you are mistaken completely. Yes. And this will end extremely bad for you on the demographic point of view, on the economic mm -hmm. point of view, and <clears throat> on, the, uh, on everything. You are going to lose your country. Yes. It's as simple as that. Yes, yes. We've been saying that for some time. <clears throat> so basically, uh, the United States right now is pressuring Kiev because they have been understanding that this would be handing very bad. But we are, in uh, we are in front of a guy that has been losing ground with reality. You know, Zelensky has a huge addiction with, uh, with cocaine. You know that. Yes, I know. Yes, I know. Uh, actually, in fact, I have a, a good friend, a European deputy. He's sitting on the uh, Commission of Security for Europe. And uh, he has been describing me a meeting with uh, Zelensky that was completely uh, surreal. So, yeah. mm -hmm. The guy was just hysterical, he was just uh, agitated, it was just crazy. And on top of it, that very uh, specific day, he was saying that they were building a dirty bomb and they were thinking about to use it against Donbass. Mm. Crazy. So you can imagine, in fact, the kind of uh, psychology that this guy is running. And uh, this is certainly the reason why he want to continue the fight because he knows pertinently that if the fight is stopping, people will run after him 
and as a scapegoat because he has been destroying the country instead of settling down the situation with Ukraine, with, uh, with Russia. Right. Okay. Uh, that go. was actually in his uh, program when he was running for presidency. He said, I want to stop this conflict and I want to settle down the situation with Russia. He has been lying to Ukrainian people. End of the story. I have a meme here. Basically, oh. good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so basically right now uh, this guy is just trying to save the perceptions of the situation and uh, he's just uh, uh, how to say uh, trying to turn the heads of the real problem on the front line by satisfying the needs of European Union in the regard of the uh, the social rules Mm -hmm. So he has been authorizing the same-sex uh, cohabitation and wedding. Uh, he's forbidding the Ukrainian Orthodox Church. This mm -hmm. is a huge mistake. Yeah, because yeah. still a lot of Ukrainians are sticking on their religion and uh, forbidding them, in fact, to practice what is very important for the soul is a major mistake. Yes, yes. And on top of it, he, he has been coming out with a, 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 an astonishing statement saying that in the actual context, uh, organizing election wouldn't be reasonable because... Yeah, he, he's fighting for the arsenal of democracy to make weapons for democracy, but he says, oh, it's not time for elections. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> so the guy uh, has been completely suppressing the uh, political opposition. Mm -hmm. He has been suppressing the uh, religion opposition. He has been suppressing the culture that is his culture. He is forbidding uh, uh, people to speak Russian when 55% of the population in Ukraine is speaking Russian and they don't understand Ukrainian. Yeah. So basically, you see that this guy is running rogue and he is a sort of, uh, of psychopath that does not respect the will of people to live the way they are living until now. I had one source tell me that he thinks that Zelensky's way forward. I mean, the U.S. is going to, the funds are going to dry up, right? And they're drying up in Europe. Hold on, let me get rid of this just a minute. Okay. Um, but I had one source tell me that Zelensky may, to stay in power, even possibly work a deal with Putin or try to, uh, because the U.S. is going to back out, you know? What do you well, think? this I am not aware for the moment. Uh, he is still pushing the guys, in fact, to uh, go against, in fact, the, the Russian on the front line. Mm -hmm. uh, he said that the Ukrainian has to go through a terrible winter, that there is still a hope that they will be taking over when this is going absolutely nowhere. Yeah. And uh, actually, uh, I have been uh, uh, listening to some interviews of soldiers that were coming back from the front line on the Ukraine side. The guys, they, they were uh, complaining that they didn't have any food. They don't have anything to drink. They don't have ammunition. They don't have protection. They don't have nothing. And when the materials were broken, they had, in fact, to pay to repair it themselves. Mm -hmm. So basically, my question is the following. 
European Union and uh, Ukraine and the USA have been sending $240 billion. Mm -hmm. What those guys, they have been doing with it. It's Where offshore. <laughs> it's in Cayman Islands. It's very <laughs> obvious. <laughs> well, uh, I, have a, I have some answers regarding okay. this uh, little trouble. So basically, you know that uh, the corruption is sort of a national sport. And yes. uh, uh, we have been uh, identifying that there are an increase of bank transfer from Ukraine to Monaco, Geneva, and Cyprus. Mm -hmm. And it's going in full steam. Undercover, a member of their government has been saying that they are trying to rob anything they can. Mm -hmm. So basically, whatsoever the United States is going to send, this is going to end into the pocket of oligarch and mm -hmm. the guys within the government. Mm -hmm. The last scandal uh, come from the, the former uh, vice, uh, vice minister of defense, Mr. Shapovalov, he was caught uh, uh, putting $25 million in his pocket in the uniform scandal for winter. So basically, mm -hmm. you know, winter are very tough in, uh, in Ukraine. And he was supposed, in fact, to buy all the uniform necessary to protect from the cold its soldier for the, the, the next winter. Mm -hmm. But in fact, he has been putting everything in his pocket and run away. Yeah. So basically, he was caught by by the Nabu, which is the uh, yeah. sort of FBI uh, Ukrainian style. And uh, but you know, in my opinion, this is just a smoking screen to hide the real traffic. Nabu works for Soros. It, everything they do is just completely uh, manufactured. They only investigate. They stop mm -hmm. investigations, like into Hunter Biden, but then they investigate who they want. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually, we know that the Hamas was supplied by the ISIS cells that has been recruited by the MI6 in Ukraine mm -hmm. to complete the Azov battalion group. And they have been supplying all the Americans' weapon uh, in the Hamas for the attack of the 7th of October. And wow. this is a very big shame. Actually, I've been putting together a screenshot uh that is following on the slide yeah i'll bring it up which one can't see number five this one uh no below this yeah one? this one mm -hmm. so this is a website to recruit servicemen in uh, in uk and uh, you can see on the screenshot that uh, an entity that is not described, but we might know who is it. They are recruiting people from Middle East and North Africa mm -hmm. to go to fight in Ukraine. And uh, as a bonus, uh, after the fight, they would benefitate of a citizenship in the UK or Europe. Mm -hmm. So basically, those guys, they are training terrorists coming from Middle East, meaning Syria, and this is ISIS, okay? Yeah. They are training them, they arm them, and after that, this is going to constitute a base of terrorists at the border of Europe. And this yeah. is outrageous. Yeah. What is kind of uh, 
very curious is that we have been uh, identifying that uh, about thousand uh, instructor of Tsahal were sent to Ukraine to train the Azov battalion and uh, all those uh, all those battalions. Mm -hmm. So you have Jewish guys that are training neo-Nazi that collaborates with ISIS guys yeah. against the Russian. And those guys after that, they are just supplying the weapon against the people <clears throat> that has been training them. This is a this is a crazy world, my friend. This is a yeah. It, it's it's the it's. I've been saying recently, it's almost a uh, Darwin moment because pe your self survival. People are throwing out their own self survival for ideology. So I don't think that's going to turn out well for them. You know. Well, where is the ideology here? Where is the ideology? If you are a Jewish and you are trained. I think I lost you. They forget what those guys have been doing yeah. during the Second World War. Yeah. This is just a big shame, you know. And, you know, I was uh, hearing that was in 2016, if I remember well, uh, Biletsky, who is managing, in fact, the Azov Battalion. Mm -hmm. And he was saying, for the moment, we are collaborating with Jewish people in Ukraine because we are going to improve our skills in terms of combat. Mm -hmm. We will be armed. And after the conflict, we will go back to those people and we will kick them out. Another message from our sponsor. I'm David Cross, and you may know me from my election integrity work, but I also own U.S. Asset Management a family-owned and operated investment advisory practice. I'm a certified portfolio manager, and my job is to help you make better decisions with your money. One of the things we try to avoid is investing in companies that push the woke agenda. If you're invested with one of the big firms out there, there's a pretty good chance that you're feeding the beast that hates your values. Our company is 100% conservative, and we'd love to have an opportunity to work with you. Check us out at us-am.com and look for our big, proud American Eagle logo. Yeah, yeah. And actually, you know that uh, in 2022, in April, uh, the Mossad sent two NGOs, uh, two NGOs uh, uh, structure in the region of uh, Jitomir to extract all the Jewish people living in Jitomir because the nationalists, they were attacking them and robbing them. Yeah, that's been so out there for a while. Kind of yeah. This, uh, this kind of mix is a kind of strange to me, and I really don't understand it. Well, you have American Jews um, who are supporting Hamas in the U.S. on a big scale. So it, it really, again, I think it's, I, you know, I don't even know. It's almost like the American secular Jew is, is kind of the lost tribe. Uh, you know, I mean, it's it, because they're not supporting the survival of their own, you know, it's not really a race, but, but their own people. Yeah. So basically, this entire story will uh, we end very badly, especially on the economic point of view. Yeah. And uh, we are seeing. Uh, I don't know if you have been hearing the the, the big mess of the interview that uh, uh, the two jo uh, Russian jokers are putting together, Lexus and Vova. Hmm. They have been interviewing Meloni this week. 
the the prime minister of uh, Italy. Yeah, I saw that. And yeah. they, have, they have been trapping her uh, at a point that uh, she was just saying that uh, within the European Union, everybody wanted to get rid of uh, of Ukraine. So what we are observing after elections is that uh, Slovakia, Bulgaria, and Poland, they start, in fact, to push back and say, okay, enough. Mm -hmm. You are taking our loss, and this is the end of the game. Mm -hmm. So what we are seeing here is that people start to recognize that there is a very big problem in this country in terms of corruption, that this is a sort of black hole. And at the end of the game, they wouldn't be able, in fact, to sustain the needs and to supply the money necessary to support this country. Yeah, and uh, we see this on the the French division right now. You see in the show all the, those generals they were the super specialists supporting Ukraine, right. saying that right. they will be winning, everything will be fine, and so on. Right now they are just dropping Ukraine like a dirty shoes. Yes, this is yeah. unbelievable. They are just like uh, the big warriors, and suddenly they are nobody. And this is you know uh, why I feel so frustrated is that I was saying to all my friends in the Ukraine, I was saying to them, don't play this card. Don't yeah. play the card and don't go after Russia. You are not going to win this story. And at the end of the story, the European Union and the Biden administration are going to drop you big time. Well, I, I see a lot of shame on the US military also, who were senior officers who were supporting this war when there was no way, to, I mean, at the expense of the Ukrainian people, now we're several hundred thousand dead, and this was never going to work. So, um, I don't, I, their blood on their hands, yeah. Actually, you know, uh, what uh, what is surprising me is that uh, Biden administration try to, to continue to support this effort, saying that this would be creating job. No, we, we broke that. For me, it's, it's, that's just... Again, they don't give a crap about the Ukrainian people, you know? For me, this is really surprising because the major problem that United States has right now is the debt supply. Yeah. Having declaring a conflict against Russia was the biggest mistake uh, this administration has been making because now nobody wants to buy the U.S. debt. And if the American debt is not supported, the economy might be collapsing very soon. So I agree. you can create few jobs in the military industry, but how many you are going to destroy if the economy is completely collapsing? Well, I think this is on purpose. I don't think it was a mistake. I think they did this to drive Western you know, economies into the dirt. But that's, you know, so we'll see if that is successful in the long run but um, it, it's disturbing, yeah. Well, actually, I might reach your opinion for one reason. Mm -hmm. I do believe that they are trying to put together uh, control destruction of the economy mm -hmm. to be able, in fact, to introduce an electronic currency representing yes. the dollar. Surveillance the whole thing, yes. Yeah, and in the Europe, they want to do exactly the same thing. So basically, the parity between the real currency and this electronic currency would be uh, completely unbalanced. They would divide the, the debt, perhaps, if people are getting confidence to buy it. Yeah.
Now, I'm not agree. sure about that. But more, this would be an open door to control the capacity of people to spend their money. Exactly. And this is extremely dangerous. And what I am scared of also is that imagine from a day to another one, you have a major electric shutdown mm -hmm. for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Whereas the assets is finished. If you have a currency that you can hold in your hands, you still can run an economy as much as you can. Sure. But if your computer and if your telephone are completely gone, because there is a major hacking attack, your economy is totally destroyed. Yes, my friend, that is the goal. They want to get rid of cash. I mean, it's the whole great reset. I think all these wars, I, you know, we, I want to schedule a time with you to talk Israel because um, there's no way that this, they did not know this attack was coming. This was allowed to happen in my opinion. <laughs> So. I have few information for that. Okay. So basically, uh, can you uh, show, in fact, the, the last graphics that I've been putting together? Because yes. this is very important. Uh, not this one, not this one. Below, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is representing the gas supply for Europe. Mm -hmm. This is their official uh, website, uh, statistic website. Okay. It's called Bruegel. Uh, the blue curve at the bottom is the year 23. And the one in purple is the year 22nd. Uh, I have been coloring in orange. In fact, the difference between the two curves in the way that you can see immediately what is the difference. And uh, you can notice that we are running 17% to 25% below the previous year. Mm -hmm. So what does it mean? It means that we are not going to get the capacity to run our economy, and especially for the industries uh, uh, heavy in uh, electricity needs. Because Germany right now is running electricity on gas. Mm -hmm. So basically, those governments, they will have to choose between warming up the people or running the, the industry. Mm -hmm. What is going to happen on a social point of view? Because oh, if you right. don't run the industry, people will be uh, without any employment. And if you don't warm up, you are not going to satisfy them. So therefore, they are sitting on a bomb. Mm -hmm. And they haven't been realizing that the destruction of the Nord Stream uh, pipelines was essential <clears throat> to the well-being of our economy, our people. How this is going to end? If the winter is particularly cold, I guess that this is not going to fly very high. No, yeah, you're correct. You're correct. It was so that's a whole other part of it. Yeah. So basically, in this book, uh, Ukraine, the spy entrepreneur that had been fin uh, ending six months ago, all the conclusion of the book, actually, the English version is coming out very soon. Mm -hmm. All the conclusion of the book are happening right now. And you see the collapse of the European economy. You see the collapse of Ukraine. You see the different entities that has been supporting Ukraine that are dropping it. You see Romania that is lurking on Moldavia. And mm -hmm. there are some meetings that are set up right now because 
Maya Sandu has been imposing the Romanian language within Moldavia. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are some very big tension because uh, I have contacts with President Dodon, and uh, I do know that this is uh, not going to end very good. Also, mm-hmm. uh, you might have Poland that is lurking on uh, Galicia and Volhynia because they have been withdrawing from the front line. They don't want, in fact, to support Ukraine anymore. Mm-hmm. And in my book, I was saying that. As soon as the Ukrainian army is going to be wiped out, the Polish will be pulling out and they will be sitting in those regions saying that this is belonging to them. Let's talk about that for a minute. What what do you think Moscow's intentions are? They have we have inadvertently or purposefully created a machine in Russia that is now creating mass amounts of armaments and is now well, very well trained. What, what if they're going to win in Ukraine? Where do they go next, or do they go anywhere? Remember, uh, uh, Vladimir Putin uh, was really mad about the fact that Merkel and Hollande has been lying to him mm-hmm. in terms of diplomacy. That was the biggest mistake ever made in the 20th century. Okay, mm-hmm. so basically, right now he estimates that our world has absolutely no weight and cannot be trusted. Mm-hmm. And he decided that he will have, in fact, to run the show for Russia without taking care of anybody around. Mm-hmm. I do believe, because I know very well those regions, that he is going to focus on the region of Mikolaev and Odessa. Mm-hmm. Odessa, actually, I've been living there for three years, so I know the city pretty well. And uh, I can say easily that at least, at least 50% of the population is just waiting for the Russian army to to land in the city. Mm-hmm. They are sick and tired of vandalism. Mm-hmm. They saw their business completely destroyed and they want peace and they want to live quietly and to do business. So what will happen next? And uh, I do believe that the conflict is going to end uh, middle of the spring of mm-hmm. 2024, as soon as Odessa is taken, that will be the end of it. And actually, that would be the end of it, because economically speaking, if you take off the access to Ukraine, to the uh, to the Black Sea, this is the end of the game. Yeah, the so you, do you think they have any, re, uh, you know, aim on the Baltic region at all? No, no. Okay. They know that those regions are extremely hostile on the population point of view. Mm-hmm. They don't want to have headache with those people. You know, they are extremely racist in the Baltic states. Yeah. Extremely racist. They were one of the worst against the Jews, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They don't want to deal with those kind of people. They want, in fact, the Russian populations to be protected. Mm-hmm. They were sick and tired during eight years of the abuse that all nationalists have been running all around Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And as soon as, in fact, those populations will be protected, that will be the end of it. And I can even tell you something, and this is a bet that I do right now. In the next five years, when the remain of Ukraine is going to go bankrupt because nobody is going to support them, Mm -hmm. you will see Kiev that is going to knock at the door in Russia and say, please, let's do business. Yeah. Yeah. For the moment, there are two much tensions there is too much emotion too much 
uh, reluctancy, in fact, to talk to each other. But I do believe that this is going to happen because it's like a family. You have a lot of Ukrainians that are married with Russians and uh, vice versa. So those two populations have been, uh, they have a social uh, implication that is so big around the centuries that I do not see how they are going to, to split. It's impossible. Yeah. Thierry, thank you. I it think was. that's enough for today. But do you have more you want to say? Uh, I think that, yes, buy my book when it's going to be in the what, U.S. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we will do that. Um, we'll coordinate with you and, and maybe do a show yeah, on it and get yeah. it out there. So Yeah, actually, this is Istria that is going to distribute it. Yeah, so that's our joint venture with History of Books, uh, Vindicta Press, Vindicta Publishing. So we will do a big push on that when it's ready for the English version, for sure, across yeah. across our network. Um, Super. And, uh, so thank you. So let me know offline when you have some time to talk Middle East, because that's what I want to talk to you about next. Okay, we'll do. We will do. Okay, take care. Thank you very much, uh, Todd. I wish you having a good day. You too. Cheers. Bye.